Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. I've been having some conversations with a good friend of mine who is also a survivor of sex trafficking. I'm not going to talk about her entire story because it's not my story to tell. But there was something that had come up in our conversations and something that we both experienced. And in talking with other survivors, it's something they all experienced as well. So I thought that it was definitely a topic that needed to be discussed. So there is a law. It is not a federal law. But 42 states and the District of Columbia have some sort of law about this on the books, and it's nicknamed the Revenge Porn Law. But what it's actually about is non-consensual pornography. When you hear the word revenge porn, I know that, for me at least, It gives the illusion that it's a couple that is broken up and one of the people just got pissed off or for whatever reason decided to put one of their sex tapes onto a pornography website without the consent of the other person. But the name of the laws that they have is actually non-consensual pornography and The way that this ties into trafficking is a lot of times traffickers take videos of the sales and then they post them onto these websites. Now, I don't think I could fully answer 100% why they do this, but my best speculation is for advertising and maybe on some of the sites that you have to pay for to get a little bit of money. The biggest issue is how do we get it down? How do we get these videos of us taken down when we don't even know where the majority of them are? And it's a very difficult process And it's also very difficult to recover from something that is not being fixed. I know that there were a lot of images taken of me as a child, videos taken, and it is impossible to have all of them taken down. It's impossible to even know where they are or even where to begin in the process of it. And this is one of those things where I say we need stronger laws and we need to contact our legislators and get change. This is one of them. I know there is a lot of lawsuits against some of these sites for having minors on there, but What happens to an adult woman that's being sex trafficked and her videos end up on there and cannot have them taken down? And it's absolutely devastating because the trafficking doesn't end. It's like we're still being trafficked, even though we have escaped, we have our restraining orders, or whatever we've done to protect ourselves and to distance ourselves, 
but this is still always hanging on there. It's something I know for me personally that is always haunting me. It's like at any given moment of any day, I can sit here and say there is somebody somewhere looking at child sexual assault material of me. And I feel violated. I feel like it's happening all over again. And I've spoken about it before, how there's this misconception that viewing this kind of material is a victimless crime. And I get it to a point because the person is not in the room and the person viewing isn't doing anything, but it doesn't make it victimless because in the cases where it is a sex trafficking victim that's being videotaped during a rape or a sale that is then being posted, this person is essentially just sitting at their computer and watching that happen. And yes, they may not be doing something directly to that victim, but it doesn't mean that the same damage is not being done. I have come such a long way in my recovery and trying to let go of anger because trust me, I had a lot, let go of guilt, let go of a lot of things. But this is the one thing that I don't know how to let go of because it's still happening. And a lot of victims and a lot of survivors are going through these same kinds of things. I have spoken to survivors and victims, and I've even spoke to men's activist groups that are trying to have these kinds of websites taken down because this is a huge problem and it's not talked about enough. And in my experience on social media, trying to bring awareness to this, it's very easily shut down. And I get attacked for my opinion. There's other people that get attacked for their opinions. And it's just this big clusterfuck of emotions where some people, they just don't understand. And I wanted to make this episode because I don't judge what people do, but maybe somebody is looking at these videos and thinking that it's two consensual parties that both agreed to have this posted online. Maybe they'll think a little bit differently next time. Maybe they'll think, okay, well, does she want to be there? Did she consent to this act? Did she consent to the video? And the same for him as well, because as we know, sex trafficking happens to men and little boys as well, and women are perpetrators too. So bringing awareness is the only way to do anything. And I know when I've spoken to friends about it, they, they don't think about it because it's not something that's regularly talked about. And I think it's a very important topic. I understand it is very controversial. 
but this kind of thing can be prevented if these sites take a lot of different measures. I don't know the answers on how to fix it. I really wish I did, but I think the biggest start is working on making sure that it is made illegal everywhere and not just in certain places. And whether that's on a state level or a federal level, I don't really think it matters, but it's definitely something that haunts us survivors even after we've been gone for almost 13 years. It's something we think about every day. And honestly, I really think that my traffickers enjoy that fact, knowing that I know and knowing that they still have that little bit of hold on me. No matter how much I try to let it go, I mean, most days I do. And... Some days it just creeps up out of nowhere. And it isn't just this type of thing. There are so many other things that I could bring in. I mean, I've lived in confidential addresses for the past 13 years, whether it was a shelter, a transitional living program, or the state just determined that my address being public was too dangerous and people constantly violate it. I mean, I talked to 15 websites and filed 15 complaints to the FTC about these websites that have private information that should not be public on their websites and they won't take it down because... I don't have information because I don't have a profile and because I didn't put it on there. So this is kind of what I always talk about, how the sex trafficking doesn't end at the last sale. And we have to create a society that keeps victims and survivors safe. And it's not just so I can put my head down and you know, close my eyes at night feeling safe, but it also helps the victims because they don't feel safe right now. And in the current climate that is going on right now with these kinds of things, along with conspiracy theories and lies and all the name the names and all that pressure and everything, I mean, it's not a safe place to escape to. I know when I was married to my ex-husband, it was a very toxic marriage. And you can go back a bunch of episodes and I went into details about our custody battles and things like that. And I know for me, one of the hardest things in making the decision to separate from him was because it was either live with this guy that's toxic, abusive, but not sex trafficking me, or move back in with my parents who are sex trafficking me. There was really no choice. So I stayed for a long time, a lot longer than I should have. And just having a conversation with a friend of mine from back then, just today, 
I don't know why I decided to open up about a lot of things that I had experienced, but it it was hard and I it was something I should have done a long time before I did. But the problem was I didn't have a safe place to go. And when I was leaving my parents and escaping, I didn't exactly have a safe place to go either, even though I did go to a battered women's shelter. But my life was chaos for years. And it still gets chaotic from time to time. And I get so beyond frustrated because there are no resources for adult children survivors of just even abusive parents let alone parents that sex traffic it's there's just not enough and I get frustrated because I have to do everything on my own a lot of lawyers don't want to take up the case to help with anything and I've got nowhere to go for help. I mean, they have sex trafficking or anti-sex trafficking organizations. They have sex trafficking liaisons at the attorney general's office and other places. But every time I talk to those places, they just say that my story is so unique and they just don't have the resources to help someone like me. And it is beyond frustrating. I don't reach out for help very often, but when I do, I hit a lot of dead stops. And I mean, as you heard with the interview I did with my friend Amanda, she was having the same kind of issues and it's it's a problem and we've got to find a way to fix it because my situation actually is not unique. Familial trafficking is the most common form, but it is the least talked about and the least amount of resources available to the victims and survivors. And we've got to change that. And there are so many people that reach out to me and ask, how can I help? How can I help? And this is it. This is how we help. We start demanding that there be more resources for survivors and more resources to help victims and to teach them how to escape. I I was 25 and it was probably in the beginning to mid 2008 when I started to realize that my parents abused me. And the first thing I did was reach out to the battered women's shelter. And I was told I don't qualify because it wasn't my husband. It needed to be an intimate partner. And it was devastating to me because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get out of this absolutely terrible situation. I had no credit no job, no money. I wasn't even allowed to hold on to my own social security card. I mean, literally, they had everything and I didn't have access to it. So where was I supposed to go? And I mean, 
homeless shelters. They're not bad places. I've stayed in some before, but they're not very easy to get into either. So we have to fix that. We have to make we have to make it easier for victims to escape. And it's not just finding them while they're out in public and saying, hey, come on, let me help you, or calling the police out. Because as strange as it sounds, if it is an adult victim and they don't tell the police that they're being held against their will, there's nothing they can do. I know my sister was kidnapped and trafficked, and it was very horrifying because I saw what was happening, I knew what was happening, and I was helpless. And the last night, she was able to message me from his Facebook account, which at first was kind of nuts because I thought it was him, and... It took five hours. I was on the phone with her messaging on Facebook Messenger while I was on the phone with the local police, and it took five hours for them to find her. And I mean, these cops were freaking amazing because I said to her, like, tell me things you see, like anything. And it was like a gas station, a barn-looking building, and a Burger King, I think. I can't remember exactly, but it was like as mundane as that. And the cops were like, oh, she's on this road. And But he just, he kept moving her. And she was so badass. Like, I just need to say, she was so badass. Um, she started saying things to me. And it was like, oh, they have this here. I didn't know they had them in the States. Or they had this. So she was telling me the places that she was in kind of like codes. And I was on the phone with the one of the police officers because they went through a whole bunch of jurisdictions that night. And um, she's like, we got them. And... Then my sister messaged me, the cops are pulling us over. And I mean, I was thrilled. It was it was such a relief. I had been on the phone with the FBI, Homeland Security, the police. I mean, it was it was such a hard five hours. But when I finally was able to talk to my sister after they had brought her to the emergency room to get evaluated, she said, She's like, you know what broke my heart was I had to tell them that I didn't want to be in the car with him. Like, I had to say that. Even though she had been messaging me, begging for help, and I was on the phone with the cops, if she had decided in that last moment that she was too terrified, she could have said, I'm here willingly, and then he would have gotten away with it. He still got away with it, but that's that's the problem. And I don't know a way around that law-wise. I mean, I firmly believe in our rights guaranteed by the Constitution because they protect me just as much as they protect anybody else. 
But if we make a safe place so these victims don't feel hopeless and they know that there's resources out there and they know that there's somewhere to go, then maybe they'll be more willing to leave. I know it's it's kind of hard to think about when you haven't been through the things that us trafficking victims and survivors have been through. And I hate saying that. I truly do. I don't think that every situation is, well, you don't know until you walk in our shoes, but it's just like that fear, it can't be explained. That It's just like sheer terror. And you feel it in every inch of your body, like deep into your soul. And it is the worst feeling in the world, the absolute worst feeling. And I still get that feeling today. I mean, my neighbor downstairs, mom is on vacation. So he's been partying with his friends. They're not causing any problems, but they're slamming the door shut. And I get that feeling of freaking terror all over again because I think someone's trying to break into my building because it's happened before. And it's it's horrible because we should be able to get to safety. But there are so many things that get in the way of us and our safety. And that's got to stop. It's just got to stop. And maybe we can't fix it all at once. But we can start at one spot and then move on to the next and move on to the next. We need more resources for survivors. We need to open it up so it's not just a pimp prostitute type situation. We need to open up resources for adult trafficking victims of their parents or other members of the family. We need to stop this whole thing where it's like impossible to get our stuff taken down offline, especially the non-consensual pornography that we don't even know is up there in the first place. So how am I supposed to get something taken down where I don't know where to find it? And it's like, I shouldn't have 15 websites that have private personal information that has never been public. It's not like it was something that was public at some point. It has never been public information. I mean, there was pictures that I found that I never even posted on social media. And clearly, my sex traffickers have those pictures. And they're clearly the ones that made these profiles. But I can't do anything. I can file these FTC complaints and hope that they do something. But I can't guarantee that they're going to. And that's what we need to change is we need to change the I don't know if they're going to to guaranteed that they're going to do things. And it's not just with those. I mean, it's I could probably go on for hours about so many different things. And it's just it needs to change. And if we start there and create this safe place that victims can physically see and they can dream about and hope for 
then maybe they'll leave on their own. I know if I had more resources, it probably wouldn't have taken so long for me to go somewhere. But the only thing I can do instead of dwelling on the past and being angry about it is talk about it on my podcast and try to make a difference. And that's pretty much why I do this. And I don't know. My mind just went blank. It's been a very long couple of weeks. I've been having the dental procedures done. And I found out yesterday that my podcast has made it into the top 10% globally, which I'm like mind blown about. Um, It's pretty crazy to think about. Um, In just a few weeks, I will celebrate my one year anniversary since I started my podcast. And I just, I mean, I have less than 100 episodes. So I'm just like amazed at how much love and support that I'm getting from people here, people on TikTok and Instagram and just everywhere. It's so good to be heard because I spent so much of my life in silence and I never thought anyone was going to listen. And it's, I know it sounds so stupid, but it's like, I think back when I was a child and I remember them always making fun of my voice. They were always giving me negative feedback like, oh, your voice is too high pitched and squeaky and you're so annoying. Your voice carries like all these crazy things. And like, I get it. Like, I'm generally a very loud person and very proud of it. But it was, it was in a bullying type of way. And I almost wonder, did they make me have this problem with my own voice? So that way I never talked. So I would never tell my story. And I don't know. I don't know what changed about saying it out loud and making it publicly. It was just something inside told me it was time and that I needed to speak up. And I'm glad I did because I've got such a great following here. And I have made some of the most amazing friends. And I'm just happy. And I love my life. And for a very long time, I felt like I had no purpose. And I finally do. And I love that. I get a lot of comments and people have mentioned it on lives because my TikTok handle is beautifulmistake24. And they tell me that I should change it, that I'm not a mistake, that... It should be a beautiful miracle, or I can't remember. They've come up with some pretty weird ones. But why I picked beautiful mistake is there's actually a Sanskrit symbol that loosely translates to beautiful mistake. And it basically means that there are no mistakes in life, that everything that happens helps you grow and helps you turn into who you are. And I firmly believe that. I know what I went through was horrible. And yes, it, it, I still deal with it every day. It still haunts me. I had to get under my weighted blanket today and hug my stuffed animals like a little child because 
my anxiety went up for absolutely no reason. Well, probably because I was talking about things to my friends, but I don't regret my past. And I'm not saying that what they did is okay because it is very, 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 very wrong. But I lived and I survived. And yes, I do feel guilty about that. But I also look at my podcast as my purpose. And I've, I've made an episode about it before. This is my why. Um, and I love that purpose because I get more and more people messaging me talking about how they found the strength to leave or they had gone through it in the past and felt so alone and it was so nice to actually hear somebody talk about it and it gives me purpose and I don't do this because I want to be the best podcaster I don't do it because I want to have the most subscribers I do it for that reason and that reason alone is so the people that are out there that have gone through things any kind of trauma and feel alone hear someone and feel not so alone anymore because there's actually somebody out there saying it. So your love and support means so much to me because it keeps me going. And I get into periods where I just don't feel like getting out of bed and getting all my equipment set up to record. And I just don't want to do it. But I just keep thinking like, well, they're waiting. <laughs> and I don't feel pressure or anything. I just, I feel like, okay, I got to keep going because I'm reaching people and I'm getting feedback from people that are saying, you've opened my eyes to the truth about sex trafficking. I had no idea. And I get messages from people like, I thought I was the only one. Like, I, your story is so similar to mine. Like, I, I don't feel alone anymore. And that's why I do this. And that's why your support means so much to me. Because I know a lot of people think I am a very strong woman. And in a lot of senses, I am. But I get weak. And your love and support helps to build me back up and helps me to keep on going and in turn helps me help other people. So I'm going to leave it there for tonight. And I just want to say thank you so much for the love and support. Like I am so amazed that I'm in the top 10% globally. I mean, that's so wild, just absolutely wild. And um, it's all because of y'all. I did nothing. <laughs> I just sat at my computer and yapped into a microphone. It's the love and support. It's the comments. It's it's everything. So thank you so much. It means the world to me. And I will talk with y'all soon. Have a good one.